Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Uh, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. We're going to continue on our series on family, uh, on blended, mended, and, and extended families. And uh, so we've talked the past couple weeks on family, and uh, we just uh, we thank the Lord for that kind of opportunity to be able to talk about it. And really, we have to consider that God used many different families, blended, mended, extended families throughout the Scripture, and we see that uh, even back into the very beginning. One of the oldest families we find in the Bible, not necessarily the oldest, but one of the oldest would be uh, Abraham and his family. And, and uh, we know that we see his, uh, the information about him over in Genesis chapter 12 up to 25, and if you look at Abraham's life, he really had some struggles with some of the mistakes that he made. Uh, he, we know that he stepped away God, uh, from God's plan, and he had a child with a lady named Hagar, and her son was named Ishmael. And, and remember, Ishmael, the child, wasn't bad. He didn't do anything wrong. And, and, uh, and there he is in that situation, and he had to face the battle of life because of some of the choices that his dad took uh, outside of God's plan. We're not going to get, get into that story very deep, but it's something that we need to consider when we talk about families. Uh, but that, that also ends, uh, ends up being an early family where jealousy ended up stepping in and causing Abraham's wife Sarah to push away Hagar with Ishmael. And uh, that was real life with real pain. And uh, that and, and blended families aren't new. They're as old as him, as old as Abraham. Yet it was uh, through Abraham that God bl has blessed the world through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And see, God is redemptive, and God can work through scenarios and in situations. And we know that God has intended marriage to be death uh, until death do us part. And it's a covenant. Uh, and it's, that was God's intention from the beginning, yet many things that can happen that make uh, dysfunctional families a uh, reality, even in the church, even in the body of Christ. and Even death can step in in a way that we don't expect and cause upheaval in our families. Those are just things that we, ha that we have and that happen to us, and with, with many come remarriage and the blending of a family and there are those in our church who have experienced that and who've walked through those things. And, and many of you know a family uh, that's blended. And in fact, my family is a blended family. Jody and I, we're blended. And uh, well, I was single. I had never been married as a missionary and who came back to the States to finish my education and, and uh, over in Texas. And Jody had served uh, as a missionary and as a pastor's wife with her first husband uh, who had passed away from a, a quick illness. And in his early 30s, his name was Chris, and uh, he passed away. And they had two young boys together, Josiah and Caleb. And and, uh, and so once Jody and I uh, got together and, and made that connection, we talked about marriage and 
When we did get married, it was, it was a, wow, a blended family. I, I, I was all, already instant dad, just add water. <laughs> so uh, that's the way it was, and, and I had to learn and uh, learn on a, on a quick curve, and I'm still learning like many of you. You know, we learn and we don't stop learning, and uh, then we added a wonderful daughter, Rachel Ann, who's with us this morning. And uh, our oldest is 25 in California, and our uh, middle son is 21, 22, 22. <laughs> and so, but, uh, you know, we, so we're a blended family, and, and uh, after Jody and I had met at the university, uh, we started dating, we were serious, and we really, at that point, we had to be able to talk about the elephant that was in the room. And uh, we had to be able to figure out how do we handle the fact that she had been married 11 years to to a faithful husband, and she had lived a whole life with her family before uh, we were married, and she had Chris's extended family, and and they were were the boys' family, and uh, so I had a responsibility to them to help keep them connected to their extended family. We realize that each family has to work those things out, and every family's a little different. You have to walk through that, and, uh, but you also need to be able to talk through those things. That's a very important thing as families, be willing to talk. And you know, sometimes for us, for the guys, it's not always the guys, sometimes it's ladies. I've, I've been in ministry long enough to know that it's, it can be either side, but, but sometimes we don't like to talk about stuff, but the facts are that we have to. And we need to, and we will benefit from that if we're willing to interact and talk about those things. So, in fact, I told Jody that it was fine for her to talk about Chris, her first husband, around me. That was not a problem. He had passed away, and I I could not allow it to be an issue for me. Uh, I needed to be able to let her do that, and I think it's very important. And I know that not every situation is like that. I know he had passed away. He wasn't in the scene. But still, I felt like she needed to be able to do that. And uh, I know that not every situation is like that. But, but uh, the big thing is, is that you talk about those things and that you're willing to interact. I can guarantee you that it will not be uh, a one-time conversation. I can say that from experience and working with others. Healthy relationships, even uh, those that are healing, take work. That's just a fact, right? Any kind of relationship, no matter what kind, even if it's siblings or uh, there's every kind of relationship takes work. This morning, we're, we're going to look at the model of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And you may see that as a little unique, and it is, but we're going to look at it. And we're going to focus on Joseph's example and how he handled the scenario he was in. And I will say this right off the bat because I think this is important. Whether you're a man or a woman, uh, you can see, you can look at Joseph's life and see how he handled that scenario and how he walked through it. And I think that you can gain something out of that. We want to consider some practical tips today we're going to look at as well later for dealing with contemporary blended families. And uh, while, uh, while some examples are kind of framed out with a biblical perspective, but we must not forget that even Jesus himself faced the social awkwardness that can arise from being in a blended family. 
first scripture you'll see on the screen here, Mark chapter 6, verse 3, and it says this, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So calling uh, Jesus the son of Mary, maybe in this scenario, wasn't uh, very nice. Maybe it was intended to be an insult, I don't know, but pointing out that Joseph uh, was not his biological father. But even Jesus felt the pain of family and how others respond. And, I've, and I know this really isn't a, a, a sermon to talk about marriage, but it is blended families and, and, uh, and just family in general. We all have some kind of connection there. I've heard it said recently by a theologian, I will call JP, these words, in quote, it says, when you get married, you gain a family without a guidebook, end of quote. Isn't that true? Uh, when people come together to be married, they get a family, and there's no guidebook that comes along. It's like when you buy a car. You go to the car dealer, and usually what you do is you look into the glove compartment. There in the glove compartment, you will find a owner's manual. You can pull that out, try to figure out how to use those windshield wipers that you can't figure out how to turn on because they're electronic and driving you crazy nowadays. But anyhow... Enough of that. But anyway, so we realize that it's important as we join families together that there are times that our family cultures will clash. And with the, with the, set, the second family culture, and out of those two families, you're attempting to make one nuclear family. You're blending the two together. And sometimes what we expect uh, that we will get is not what we get in the end, right? And so uh, your family may kind of be like oil and water. Oil and water are two interesting substances. When you try to mix them up, they don't always stay. Uh, and uh, if you put oil and water in a bowl in front of me and we put a blender in it, we could try to keep them mixed up, but sometimes they would try to separate. But it's, it's work to keep them together, right? And uh, it can be that way in our relationships with our blended families. Our expectations may be high, but we may simply need to adjust the way we view how the family will mix. And we rely on God's grace, right? So, that, as I said, it's not really a, 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 a message about uh, marriage, although blended families include that, but the the reality is, is that you're likely part of a blended family, whether it's you and your, uh, and your spouse if you're married, uh, maybe if you're not married, maybe it's your, uh, maybe you have been in a blended family or you come from a blended family. It's almost a guarantee if you are not a blended, uh, into a blended family that you either have family or friends that are from that kind of scenario. And uh, so it, it's almost a guarantee, but does it have an impact on our lives? Yes, it does. It has an impact on us, and uh, whether we believe it or not. So how do you walk through it? Well, there's a few things that we're going to look at. Let's look at Joseph here over in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse, verse 18. And we're going to see how Joseph's, what his response to his blended family was. We find that Joseph accepts Jesus as his son, Verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
Because, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We've talked about that before. She was betrothed to him, so it was heavier than, a, than a, just a regular modern-day engagement. So for them to be able to split up, they would have had to have been divorced in that scenario for what we understand. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, we understand this is a, a unique scenario. It's not an everyday thing that we see. It's special. But verse 21 says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So he follows through with the Lord's orders through the angel of the Lord. And so there's a few things we can grab out of this and gain from it. First of all, we see that Joseph had honor and respect for his family. And really, this is critical. We need to make sure that we have that honor and respect. And now I understand that we're talking about this unique one-time event in history that God set up. Uh, but from this, we can learn how Joseph responded to God and then responded to his new family. He showed honor and respect for them. He learned, that, he learned that he was required by God to take care of Jesus, who was not his biological child. Just because uh, a child in your family may not be your child or your grandchild does not mean that you can shove them to the side. Embrace them, honor, and respect them. We see something else out of this that Joseph, he had a deep faith. He had a very deep faith in following God's ways. He was committed. And for us, we need to be like him and be committed. Joseph, he could have just left Mary fending to herself, and that would have been very natural in that situation at that time. Uh, he could have just let her do that. In fact, the rest of the people in the world that he was in probably would have told him to do that. Uh, but Joseph was committed. And are you willing to stay committed when things get tough? Because they will, right? Things do get tough. That's part of life. That's part of the world that we live in. And you have to be willing to talk things through. And sometimes that's the issue. We must be willing to talk about them. We must be willing to walk through them. If you get to a place where it seems like you can't talk it through, make sure you find someone that can help you talk it through. That's part of what counseling is for. And I think it's very important uh, for everybody to be able to look through and try to allow that counseling uh, to work in them if they, if they want that, if they need that. And honestly, I, I, really my view is that counseling is part of that commitment. So Joseph also, also shows us this. He, he makes great sacrifices. Uh, he, he battles selfish feelings, no question about it. Uh, Pastor Steve last week brought, uh, brought up selfishness a little. 
and how we should be willing to serve the serve as a family and we should be willing to serve one another in our families and we need to be we need to battle those selfish feelings that keep our families from thriving because they do they pop their heads up don't they because we're all individuals i've learned something about the human race and you probably have too from from the day they're born to the day they die they usually look out for number one and that's themselves doesn't mean that they don't look at others as well and, and love others and care for them. But usually when we come into this earth, we're, we're more concerned about making sure that our diapers change and we have a baby bottle in our hands, right? When we're, when we're, uh, when we're young, when we are just come to this earth. And really we try to take care of ourselves later as well, but we have to make sure that we care for others around us. We need, we need to battle those selfish feelings. You may not be married, and you may have, uh, have to battle it even as a single. I know for me, uh, we were thir- I was 31 when we got married, and so I had been single uh, all the way up until that time. And so that's, that's uh, another challenge for a young person at that age trying to adjust to a married life, right? And, uh, and so I had to learn, though, as a single, that I had to care for those in my family around me even then. And maybe you're single in that same kind of scenario. And maybe for you, you, you uh, since you aren't married, you have to consider your family. Maybe, maybe there's something like a family reunion or a connection you need to make with a family member that you haven't done for a while. That's important. It may be up to you to be able to connect with a family member when maybe they have something against you or vice versa, and you need to walk through that. It's important we have to talk through those things. Well, here's some other things that we find out from Joseph. He had patience. Uh, This process takes a little time for him. He had to wait for this child to be born to start his own biological family, from what we understand, and he had to be patient to work with a son that was not his own and he did and he loved him and presented him at the temple we can learn from joseph's uh, patience but there's something else that we can pick up out of this there's many things i believe we can learn from him but joseph shows great outcomes are possible through a blended family great things can come about because god is redemptive and i am glad that he's redemptive he is redemptive. And this very son that he had patience with becomes the very savior of the world. From what we know about Jesus' life, um, most scholars would say that Joseph died by the time Jesus had started his earthly ministry. We don't know a lot of specifics at that point, but uh, this, this really says to us that Joseph may have never seen Jesus serving or ministering to the multitudes. He may not have seen him feed the 5,000. He may not have seen him lay hands on the sick and blind people see. He may not have seen those things. We don't know, but this shows us he didn't see that probably, but he, he simply taught Jesus honor and respect and commitment and sacrifice and patience. There's no evidence. No question. And even though Joseph may not have seen the deliverance that Jesus provided for us firsthand at that point, that great outcome was still there. It was still there. Your faithful response to your blended, mended, your extended family can make an impact on your community. 
no matter who you are, if you're single or if you're married, you can have a great impact on others around you. I believe the Lord calls each and every one of us to that. Even as a part of the church family, you can be a person of great encouragement to those who need others to come alongside of them to remind them that they can make it. We're a family in here. We're a family and we can encourage one another. Now let's, let's move over and let's look at a few practical tips that we can look at this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 verse 25 says this, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, as, I, as I'm bringing this uh, passage up, we know that Jesus is dealing with some of the religious leaders. He's cast the devil out uh, and uh, delivered this person. And uh, now they're, they're complaining and saying, oh, he's doing this by the power of Satan. And Jesus is like, you don't understand at all. And uh, so, and he's trying to help them. And he says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. So, so families, too, we must work hard to try our best at being on the same page. Even, if, uh, even uh, if we aren't on the same page, it makes it a little challenging for us, right? Remember, this is something that we work out. I would love to stand up here and tell you that I'm the perfect dad <laughs> and Jody's the perfect wife and, uh, and we're the perfect parents and all that. But I can't say that because it's not reality. What is reality is we are growing in grace like each and every one. And we all have to work towards being on the same page. There are some things that we can look at here that are important out of this. That we have to put God first in our families and establish a good foundation. You have to do your best to build a strong base of being a person of faith and then a family of faith. To have a healthy family, we have to work towards becoming healthy as individuals. It's like I, I mentioned when we started this series, we need to keep God at the top of our, our priorities. We need to keep Him at the top, and, uh, and, but that must start as an individual. It has to start with each of us as individuals, and then it can move towards our family as God is working in us. We need to be able to read God's word for ourselves and start applying it for our own self. We have to allow God's word to speak to us. You, you may not get others to apply it to their life, yet you need to start in your own life. And then, maybe only then, will God work through it in that fashion. Blended families have to keep this in mind, though, too. Love permeates everything. Let children love both parents and be positive. If anyone needs grace, children do in blended families. There's no question. They didn't ask for the change that they are facing. It's usually something totally out of their control, uh, whether it was a death of one of the parents or divorce. And those things can be difficult, but they, they need to know that they are loved, that they are cared for by you. Put God first place in your life. Put order in its place. Discuss the rules and discuss consequences as a family as well. Spouses 
uh, need to put uh, talk about discipline in advance, and then throughout the years, the kids are in the house. That's always one of those challenging things, but a lot of people don't always think about it. They, they, they get married, and they think all of a sudden, oh yeah, if we have kids, they, they actually wait till they have kids, and then they talk about discipline. But really, it should be talked about early on, and it's important for it to be talked about. And sometimes what happens, too, when we talk about blended families, sometimes couples come together, and they're really not prepared. They don't want to talk about the elephant in the room. Maybe they had a failed marriage, or maybe they lost a spouse to death, or some of those things happen. They don't really want to talk about that. They just want to get married, and maybe it'll all be done with. But the fact is, that stuff is going to come up. You have to talk about it. You have to work through it. You have to uh, deal with those things so that healing can come in your life. Those things are important. We realize that, and it's important even for us to talk about, uh, talk about discipline and those things with our kids, with our families. And maybe, they, uh, maybe we have to ask what is fair or what is reasonable in a scenario. Say, say your kid does something they shouldn't be doing, and, and you know it's not right, they know it's not right, and then uh, you may turn about, around to them and say, hey, what do you think is a good punishment for this? Should I ground you for a day or a week or a year? No. <laughs> don't ground a fur year. Uh, but, but anyway, you have to ask them. If they're old enough to understand and to walk through that, that's an appropriate thing because for us as parents, then we're, there were teachers at that point. We're trying to help them to learn so that they can learn how to live this life. They already are living this life, but at some point they're going to be out on their own and we want, we want to help them. We want to help them be successful, right? Amen? Amen? Okay, there you are. So we have to let them also know that we're there. Kids need to be able to talk through things with their family. It isn't always easy, but here's where the parents need to use some patience and discretion. And just remember this, that uh, if this is good for a blended family, it's also good for the natural nuclear family as well, the regular family. Uh, we need to value unity as well. Honor them first and then obey second. The person is more important than the rule itself. That doesn't mean that we throw out the rules at our homes. Uh, the rule is there to be able to guide. In a blended family, you have to learn to be able to honor the, honor the parents. And those acting in a parental role must also learn to build respect because that is built, especially when a family is blended. Maybe, maybe we, you mess up and you say something you shouldn't and you have to rebuild that trust. You have to rebuild that respect. Then there's, to be able to do that, there's something that we need to add into our life and that's being consistent and follow through with our word. Don't promise when you know you can't make good on a promise, right? No one wants to do that. You promise, you know, sometimes there's people who say, oh yeah, let's do that. We're going to do this. And they promise to do it and they never do it. But you don't want to, you don't want to do that. You want to be consistent. Uh, and there, uh, there is, there's another key tip really in blended families and which uh, works for really any family. And that's this, give grace, give grace. Strive to live in and point family members to God's best. Every one of us need grace, don't we? 
I don't know about you, but I need grace, and I know that we all need that, and so if we recognize that we need that, that means we need to recognize that others need that grace too, because we can all mess up in our families, and we have to make sure that we work together and are willing to do that. may say a sharp word, or you don't notice something important to another, for another family member that's important for them. Maybe you missed Valentine's Day and you were supposed to do something for that. No, I didn't. <laughs> I had to look over. And she didn't either. Those, thing, those things are important. Everybody needs grace. We're not all, we not only care for our immediate family if it's blended or mended, but but we also want to care for our extended family as well. And I know it may be different in different ways for different families, but let's look at uh, what uh, J- James says over in James chapter 1, verse 27. Powerful, powerful verse, and it's kind of a synopsis of, his, of, of his, uh, the book of James in some sense. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Powerful passage. He talks about widows and orphans there and and who James calls orphans in the first century for us may include those who are left to themselves in a broken family that needs outside help. Over the years in ministry, I've seen many faithful followers of Jesus who have cared for children who are not their own. Some were adopted, some were, uh, some were grandchildren, uh, uh, nephews, nieces, those, but they were just taken in from other family members and they, they faced difficult circumstances, uh, yet uh, somebody stepped up to the plate to show honest care, or as James calls it, pure and faultless religion. It doesn't mean that people are perfect. They're not, but they are they are striving to care. They want to show love towards the family and to try to help them. If we look at what pure religion is, as, as James would say, it's mo- it models unconditional love. God did that. God that did that when he sent his son for us, for you and I. He modeled love for us. It was sacrificial love for us. But we need to love your, love your family and set the example. See, it's here that we can respond to James chapter 1, verse 27 with another passage that Pastor Steve brought out last week, and it was this. He said out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking on your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. If we can gain something from what he is saying, what the Apostle Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit in that passage, it will help transform all of our relationships. We have to be able to look at others and love them and value them even more than ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're destructive to ourselves or we, or we demean our own self. That's not what it's saying, but we need to respect them and love them. And we need to be able to value them and care for those others around us. We need to show love towards others and even show them preference. For our children, it doesn't mean that we 
give in to their whims, that they still need to learn responsibility. Uh, we give them a chance if they quote our hours or not ours. We need to be able to look to the Lord and allow Him to work through our lives. Pure religion gives the family better perspective. We need a better perspective. Some people simply live for now and they need someone who's willing to be able to teach them and help them to learn for the long game. Because the long game really matters, doesn't it? The short game, yes, it's important, but the long game really matters because that's where eternity sets in some sense. We need to make sure that we're willing to help one another. A popular old saying says this. I know some would say it's a Chinese proverb. Some say it comes from here or there. There's a lot of speculation. I really don't care. I just like it. I think it's good. And it teaches us something. It says this, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Now, I'm not really talking about fishing here, but we understand that we, we are in this game for a lifetime. And because of that, we need to do whatever we can to help those around us to live for the long game doesn't only mean natural needs. Natural needs, yes, they're important, but it also reminds us that we must help others in the spiritual sense for the long game, those in our family and those around us. We can have eternal impact. If we're going to help them gain a better perspective, we need to remind them not to burn bridges because burning bridges can be destructive I don't mean physical bridges, you know what I mean, in relationships, it's so important, because someday you may need that person that you are upset with at that moment. They may buy out the business that you're an employee at. I've seen that before. I've seen those that struggled because the, the buyout took place, and that person they had burned a bridge with before was now their boss again. What do you do? You learn to mend those bridges. You learn to work at bringing healing and relationships so that you can live your life and be a blessing to others. You have to be able to move on in life. Finally, we need to help our families manage busy lives with their money, with their time, with their resources. You know, in some sense, I hate to say it this way, but really, our family is our resource in some sense. Our family, may, you say, well, you know what, I don't have any family left. And, but the fact is, is if you don't have that physiological family left, you have the family of Christ. The body of Christ. We too are family. You and I, we are family. Whether you, whether you like it or not, we are, we are family. And that means that we're here for each other. And that means we have a wonderful opportunity to serve God together. Oh, we may have our brokenness, we may have our weakness, we may have our strengths, but when you're down, there's going to be another brother or sister in the Lord that comes along to say, hey, you're going to make it through this. We need to be able to do that as a family. God is, the other great thing about him as we wrap this up this morning, this morning is that God is still extending his family. It doesn't ever stop. He's still extending his family. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 tells us this. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, praise God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The greatest blended family is this special family we call the church, the body of Christ. It's not the building. It's not these concrete blocks. It's not the chairs you're sitting at. It's not the pulpit I'm speaking at. It is one another as we are the family of God. It's not all these outside things. And God the Father has called us to be adopted into His family. There's no better to be family. No better family to be part of than the family of God. Would you stand with me this morning? It was a great love that God would love us and want to forgive us and call us to become His sons and daughters. For those of us who who know that forgiveness, accept that, thank Him for it. For those who may not know that forgiveness today or not experience that forgiveness today, you can experience that. It's available to you and He is reaching out with open arms, welcoming you into His body, into His family. Oh, we're not perfect. We know that. But we also, we do know that He is and He is a God who loves and He cares for each and every one of us. And all we must do is put our faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross so that we may have that hope and so we may be part of the family adopted into the family of God. If that's you here today and you say, you know what, I haven't done that, why don't you pray with me? Our prayer teams are going to come up here in just a moment. But I'm going to pray with you. And if you would like to pray and pray that prayer, just say, Jesus, come into my life. This is that time to do it. And say, I want to be part of your family. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we thank you. Thank you that we've called, we've come to this place and you've called us to yourself. And Father, I pray this morning that you would help us as we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. For those, Lord, that are even here at this point and say, you know what, I haven't accepted what Jesus has done for me on the cross to forgive me of my sins. But now it's a time. I receive what you've done for me as you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. You can just pray that prayer in your heart however you want. I accept what you've done on the cross for me. I ask you to be my Lord. And I trust you to be my Savior today. In Jesus' name.